Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. All right, everyone. It is time to introduce a brand new show on a brand new night. This episode, of course, we are talking about She-Hulk, the new series on Disney Plus that is premiering by the time you're listening to it just under a week. Super excited to talk about it, to dive into it. I think you guys know what I'm most looking forward to on this show from some of our past episodes, but definitely excited to dive into it a little more. Katie, why don't you start with some of your initial thoughts and maybe a little bit of character background? Okay, yeah, no problem. So for those of you who have been listening to us and have been our very loyal fans, you know way back, and I might blow your mind with this, eight months ago when we did the 2022 What We Were Looking Forward To episode, and I I think that wrapped into the 2021 what we loved about that. So I think that might have been just one big New Year's episode. But we all can attest that I said I was most looking forward to She-Hulk. And for me personally, She-Hulk kind of holds a special place in my heart because as we grew up on Spider-Man, there was also a phase that I went through where I was like in love with the entire Hulk family and really obsessed with the Hulk family. And so She-Hulk entering, I mean, I, I can't say I was like the big Hulk MCU fan, but now that She-Hulk's kind of entering and we have the possibility of a Hulk family sort of coming together, I'm extremely excited, extremely hyped. As far as background on this character, for those of you who haven't really watched the trailers or might just might not know, so She-Hulk is Jennifer Walters. She is Bruce Banner's cousin. In the comics, she's in an accident. I'm, I know we see a little bit of that as well in the show. The accidents are very different. But in the comics, she has a blood transfusion after this accident, and of course, her cousin is the one who does it, and in the process, he gives her some of his, you know, Hulk genes. (laughs) Will we see this fully come through? I'm not sure, because it looks like in the trailer, she actually starts to turn green, like, immediately after her accident, so I'm not entirely sure if the whole blood transfusion narrative is going to follow, but we obviously are going to see Bruce appearing in this I mean, if you haven't seen the trailers, that was, I guess, shocking. But to everybody who did, that was just like a statement. <laughs> so super exciting. Uh, she's really awesome. So I'm I'm just extremely, I, I can't even, I don't have other, another word but excited for this show. I can't wait. Yeah, I think it's going to be super fun. I am enamored by the tone of it for sure. Like, I just think it's going to be so energetic and fun and honestly very relatable in a way that you know I thought we talked a lot about Kamala being relatable and that's true because of her fandom but I think for me especially Jennifer and She-Hulk is very relatable just kind of the stage she's in at life or in life you know she's only probably a few years older than me so I kind of relate to her in that way and that's very exciting I think she's just going to be such a super fun character She's involved with a lot of different groups in the comics, Fantastic Four, the Defenders, the Avengers, and a couple others as well. So she has a really interesting history and a lot of really fun connections with characters that are both on the board and coming. So I'm going to be really excited to see, you know, who she interacts with later down the road, because I think she has the potential to interact with quite a few different characters, which is really awesome. But I did want to circle back quickly to something that you mentioned, which was the accident that kind of takes her from just Jen to She-Hulk. In the comics, we obviously know that there's like a blood transfusion between her and Bruce, and that's what kind of, not what kind of, that's what does it for her, you know, gives her kind of that gamma radiation within her that obviously we know Bruce has, it helps him turn into the Hulk. But in the show, it looks like they're in an accident together and she's exposed to his blood. So it's kind of a blood transfusion, but not in the like medical clinical sense. It's more of like, oh crap, you blood on me and now I'm turning green. So 
definitely a, an interesting little twist on it. But I think that's, it's going to be interesting. And I'm excited to see their dynamic unfold more too. Oh, 100%. And going off of that to also give a little bit of further background on her since we kind of, and I think it's going to be hard to not really compare her to Bruce since he's really all we've known for how many years as the Hulk. And even when Mark wasn't playing him, the first Incredible Hulk, dare I bring it up, was 2008. And so, you know, this has been a 14-year run for this character in the MCU, even if it wasn't always played by Mark Ruffalo. And so it's going to be hard to not compare them, but it is important to note For those of you who maybe don't know much about her background in the comics, I want to bring this to the front. Because she's exposed or in, you know, in the comics given such a low amount of the blood and she was not in an accident such as Bruce where he was like fully exposed to all the gamma radiation. She kind of like she has this, I say, I think it's cool, but considering what they've done with Bruce and the Hulk since Endgame, I guess like it's average now, but (laughs) She has the ability to kind of keep her, her regular conscience with her, which usually does set her apart from the Incredible Hulk in the comics. But now that, you know, the MCU did, and this is not about a Hulk character study, so I know there's probably plenty we could say about where he's come from and how he is now. But this would have been a very unique trait for her. And then actually, eventually in the comics, she's actually exposed to more gamma, where eventually she can't unchange from She-Hulk and eventually is just permanently She-Hulk. So I think that's pretty interesting. Like I said, though, it's really not anything new with what we've seen in the MCU, but normally this would differentiate the two of their characters a little bit more. Yeah, it's also interesting. I was doing a little bit of reading about her before we got on this call. At one point, there's like a change in her powers where she gets like a transfusion from Michael Morbius. (laughs) And I saw that and I was like, Oh, man. It just kind of made me laugh. No, just write that one off immediately. <laughs> yeah, because we're not Morbin time over no, here in She-Hulk no. world. Let me just tell you that right now. But, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Hulk came out, the original Hulk movie, The Incredible Hulk, came out in 2008. Obviously, we now have a different actor playing him. We've seen him, you know, really evolve over those 14 years. But one character that is coming back and making just his second appearance since that movie is, of course, Emil Blonsky, The Abomination. So it'll be interesting to fill in some of the blanks. We definitely, I mean, we spent a whole episode talking about some of the characters that were making a reappearance when he had that little cameo in Shang-Chi. And we were trying to figure out, you know, where is he coming from? What's he been up to? It's been a really long time. Like they're already in 2023. So for them, it's already been 15 years. So like that's even, or at least that's what we think Chi takes place. So it's been at least 15 years. Like that's a really long time. And I'm really excited to get those blanks filled in because as you guys can probably guess, I don't like blanks. I don't like questions and I don't like not knowing things. So I'm excited to get that background. I also... Don't know if you caught this, but there's a scene where she's in like a what looks like a therapy circle and he's like leading therapy, which I think is just so funny. And it just like really, I think, encapsulates the tone of this show. And I'm just so excited. I don't know. I think it's going to be just so much fun. Yeah, I agree. And going off of what you said, but at the same time tabling it because I know it opens a bigger door and I don't think we're quite ready. That's an end of episode conversation that we'll get to because <laughs> I have so much to say regarding Abomination and where he might have been and all of that so I am going to table that but I do think it's very interesting he's back and I and you keep kind of bringing up the tone of the show as well and I think for those who, and I keep going back to the comics for right now just to give the background but you know She-Hulk is kind of that character that and I, I and I'm not really sure. I guess the best way to go about saying this, but for those of you who are familiar with the comics, you know the female characters all tend to be written very similarly. They look and are dressed very similarly. And She-Hulk was the type of character, and they made her to be the character that pretty much really embraced that openly as an actual character. And I think that's really interesting because I think that's what's going to bring this tone into the show a lot more. Is that she kind of just. <laughs> all those things you kind of thought of, and if, for those of you who's not understanding I'm trying my best to keep this completely a very good rating and not get this into a weird like area because of the comic books being a little 
racy <laughs> for what they had. Yeah, I'm trying not to like get there, but uh, essentially her character is very much like the okay. Well, if you're gonna make it all this way, I'm gonna just step into being that role, and she was very openly that way. Um, so I I think that helps to bring that slightly lighter tone into the show. I don't think we're going to go quite that far as she can go in the comics, but. I do think it's going to be a, a, an aspect we openly see. And honestly, I feel like we already sort of see it in some of the trailer scenes, even just like she's on Tinder and then she's out here like carrying this man bridal style, <laughs> like after taking their fries home, you know, like there's definitely some innuendos going on there that that definitely is bringing that lighter tone. So I think it'll be really interesting to see where this goes. And I'm just extremely in awe because we've gotten so many different types of shows. I don't think I would have pinned She-Hulk as the show that would have brought it necessarily and brought this lighter tone. I think I, I definitely reserved that for Miss Marvel, but I, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I actually, there are two things I wanted to say about that, what you sparked in me. Well, first, when I was reading up on it, I didn't know this, but She-Hulk actually breaks the fourth wall in the comics, yeah. and we see her do it in the show. And I don't always love that. I think Deadpool did it and it was like a real novelty. And so I was kind of like very skeptical about the fact that they were going to do it in this show, right? But then I learned that and I was like, oh, so it fits the tone of the character. So like that's the type of character we're going for is like she's not gross and vulgar like Deadpool, but kind of that like sense that like she has this like greater knowledge of what's going on than like maybe a Cap who's like, so you know laser focused on like doing the right thing you know like like steve cap because we don't really know exactly how sam's gonna be as cap yet but i'm talking like steve because we had 10 years of him right so like he's so focused he's so in universe he has no concept of like the idea that like we're all watching but like deadpool and she hulk totally do and it just takes it in a completely different direction so i love that the other thing I was going to say is I think what you were saying about her being on Tinder and like all of those things, like that's part of what makes her like so relatable. Like to me, it's almost like watching like, it's like watching friends, but without the guys almost like it's like, what are you doing as a late 20s, early 30 something person in New York? And like that type of show that's like a sitcom or like how I met your mother, like those types of shows, like it almost has that kind of vibe to me because it's like that's kind of her life like getting totally screwed up and like you see her living that life and trying to like strike a balance with like her newfound superheroism but like not in a way that's like so serious and like I have to be a superhero now she's like what is happening what is my life and like just that kind of whole explosion of like her not having it together I think is like such a an interesting tone that I'm like like I said I'm very excited for this I think it's gonna be so fun and relatable and honestly, so I really want to go off of what you were saying about that fourth wall breaking. So yes, 100% she does it in the comics. So it's, it's, it's canon. It's there. However, this is one of those moments that I don't like to do a lot, but I'm going to do. And it's going to be, I'm going to put on my horse blinders and I'm only going to stare at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if I take out the fact that she's the type of character who does break that fourth wall, I think about the fact that we've been getting a lot more fourth wall breaks within phase four and i'm gonna take deadpool out of this just because in the best of ways he's not he's not fully integrated yet yeah he's getting there but like he isn't yet so i'm not gonna count him um and also that's kind of his like stick so i'm gonna leave that as a different story but i think a lot of like mom um, which I think we see a couple good examples, and the most important one being when Wanda, like, stared into your soul when she first took over other Wanda's body. That was a lot. Concerning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you kind of have to sit there, and you're like, okay, so that happened. And that was a very clear fourth wall break, and I know there's been a few others, but that was probably one of the more recent ones that we really would all think about and, and acknowledge. So that's why I, I say, you know, put on your horse blinders and just stare at the MCU for a second because I almost wonder if there's also going to be a bigger purpose to all of this fourth wall breaking that we seem to keep getting. And now that we do know that this is the multiverse saga, I'm extremely intrigued by what that could mean because we have people like the Watcher who, you know, 
my in my perspective, those fourth wall breaks remind me a lot of when Ultron Vision stares at the Watcher and realizes he's watching him and realizes that there's somebody watching the, the timelines unfold. So just putting it out there for... I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. And this is just because it, it's been a year, and I, I know you've probably done the same thing. I only watched What If once. We're not animation people. We were when we were kids. We're just the type of people who that's not our medium of choice. Totally respect it. Just if I had the choice, always going to go live action. So I've only seen What If once. It's pretty much been a year since it's come out. Doesn't the Watcher break the fourth wall? Like, isn't it narrated to us? Yes. So then... I'm pretty sure. Isn't his whole thing, like... So I guess going off of that, what I'm trying to get to is I could almost see at some point down the road when they get really weird and, like, like we've talked about how crazy the multiverse is already, right? And how hard it is to understand. But in my personal opinion, they've only gone, like, touched the surface of, like the poop hitting the fan and how absolutely insanely weird things are going to get in the next few years. And so I would not be surprised if down the road, we are given a number the same way the 616 is. And for whatever reason, our universe is just the one that's like observing everything, but not really involved in the action. Like I could totally see that happening. And for whatever reason, She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters is aware that this other universe is observing the same way that a Deadpool, when he comes in, is going to be aware the same way that the Watcher was, the same way that Wanda was. Like, that just makes sense to me. I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone else, but I don't know. That just popped into my head. No, and I entirely get what you're saying. And that's why I'm pointing out that, you know, because sometimes you can't always take the things that are from the comic books religiously. Because, you know, that everything will translate and even the things that do might translate for very different reasons. So that's why I'm saying, you know, if we just stare at that MCU, we are having a lot more fourth wall breaks. And I would not be surprised if something like that happened or something further came about. So I just wanted to put it out there. I know that's probably not one of the most important things we're going to talk about as we get further along in this trailer. But I I did want to just, since you had also brought it up, just, you know, food for thought. Definitely. All right, I think the next thing I want to talk about is one of the things I'm also very excited about, which is Jamila Jamil coming in as Tatiana. Guys, I love her. If you have not seen The Good Place, this is your homework. Yes. Between now and when you're listening to this, hopefully it's not like right before you watch She Hulk, because you now have like a little less than a week to go watch the entirety of The Good Place. And just get a feel for how amazing she is. She's awesome. She is going to kill it. I am so excited to see her come in as Tatiana, who is She-Hulk's nemesis, her arch nemesis. I'm trying to think of a good example. She's the green goblin to She-Hulk Spider-Man, right? Like, Dude, dude, come on. You could have done the most simplest one of the Abomination and Hulk. We're sitting right here. It's right in front of you. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that is true. That was a miss. But yeah, <laughs> I was trying to go wider MCU and also like more widely, you know, Spider-Man is just more popular. But to be fair, out of all of the Hulk villains, the abomination is him evil. And I think that's a really important thing to look at for her villain as well, is that it's essentially just She-Hulk turned evil. And so they're very evenly matched, and I think that's what's important. I I look and I I you did bring Spider Man as an example, like Spider Man and and the Goblin, not exactly like two different vibes. Arch nemesis, two different vibes. Yes, I didn't realize we were going straight up like the same. So it would be in that sense, it would be like Spider Man and Venom. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. I know my comics, Caitlin. I know my characters. Well, I, I was just like, we were missing the obvious option. <laughs> that is true. I acknowledge that. But I one thing I want to point out about Tatiana that I think is really interesting is that in the comics, she actually gets her powers from Dr. Doom. And I think that's super interesting for a few reasons. First, we obviously know now when we're getting the Fantastic Four, TBD still on the cast. I think that's coming at D23. I'm not exactly sure when that is, but I think it's in like a couple, like a month or a couple weeks from now. Like it's not long from now. Yeah, I believe it's early, like late summer, early fall. That's what I thought. So that's definitely coming soon in my personal opinion. But the other thing that came out this week that you've probably seen all over the internet is Giancarlo Esposito, 
who you guys probably know from Breaking Bad, The Mandalorian. He's fantastic. He has been in talks with Marvel, and he's kind of been tossed around for three different roles. Professor X, Doctor Doom, and Magneto. So it's kind of interesting that we're getting this connection to Doctor Doom. She-Hulk's obviously very connected to Fantastic Four, and that casting rumor, like, he totally just, like, straight up said that in a conference, which people were like, is Kevin calling you right now? Like, how can you say these things? There's been a lot of that this week. <laughs> yeah, I think they're distracting us. There's definitely something big coming, and they're trying to distract us by, like, falsely planting information. Kevin's strategic in that way. Because it's not even, like, falsely. Like, it's probably all like, 100% true, but they're sitting there, and they're like, we'll give you the little tidbits because we're going to slam you in the face with something massive. Yeah. Like, didn't they do that with Spider-Man when they gave us the villains, but they, like, didn't give us... It's, like, the same thing. They were like, oh, here's the villains from the other universes, but we're not going to tell you that Daredevil's coming, and we're not... Which, by the way, is going to be a whole section, guys. Don't you worry. But daredevil's coming and the actual spider-men are coming like we all knew they were coming but like well that's daredevil that was pretty awesome but you know we'll give you the small stuff so that you're you know excited but we're not going to give you the big big stuff yeah so yeah more to come on that but i just want to point that out because i think it's interesting you know all these ties like i said she is so connected in the comics to so many characters that you know she could really and i'm sure we'll talk about you know as the show progresses where we think she'll go after this but she could really go in any number of directions, and I think that's what makes her such a, a complex and interesting character to kind of nail down direction-wise, and just in general. Yeah, no, 100%. And as for Tatiana, I'm I'm intrigued because we got very little of her in the trailer, which, okay, that's not, like, the weirdest thing necessarily, but for her to be, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, the main villain of the show and I guess shaking out the show is probably just about as long as the rest of them, but it is the nine episodes about 30 minute sequence that we got more with WandaVision. I forgot about that. Yeah, which is super exciting because, you know, we haven't really broken that sequence since the very first show that ever came out. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm a little intrigued because I also think that we really only got Tatiana in the last trailer that's been released, if I remember I think she was in two because I think we see her kind of in the courtroom. So it's the same footage twice. But you can't like tell she's the vi Like if you don't know she's the villain, you don't know it until this last trailer where she smashes through the wall. Right. And then someone's like, do your thing. Okay. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I thought. So I'm a little intrigued by that one just because I do feel like to a degree, you know, we kind of have an idea sometimes of where we're going and, you know, especially if we're confirmed, the villain is confirmed, we actually see quite a bit of them. So I'm a little thrown off by the lack of, you know, villain and a lot of like, not that I'm against it, but we definitely, the first like one or two episodes is all going to be her and Hulk together. And you can tell we got a ton of that in the trailer. Yeah. Well, they're doing the thing that they did with, I mean, I remember especially with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. At the time, we didn't have a podcast, so I had to get all my Marvel content from listening to another podcast. But the blog is there. That is true. But I remember distinctly them talking about, as we were coming into episode four or five, that we had seen all of the footage in the trailers already. So I think they're going to, you know, and they've done that for other shows as well. I forget which one I think was Moonlight. Really yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I think because I remember us talking about that. Yeah, we were like, episode two, we've seen all the footage in the trailers. Like, oh no. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I think that there is definitely a precedent for that. I think we definitely have no clue. Like, I was thinking about it as I was watching the trailers in preparation for this episode, and I was like, I understand She-Hulk. I understand her context. I understand the characters and the players. I don't know what the show's going to be about. I, I don't know. So, I kind of do. <laughs> Go for it, because I'm lost. So, obviously, we're going to see her become the Hulk very quickly, or the She-Hulk very quickly. Like, that's not going to be something that... It's not going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier style, where we have to wait until episode six to see them suit up. No. We're obviously going to see her as She-Hulk throughout most of the series. She's a lawyer. Her law for firm is deciding to take on villain cases. Or not villain cases, super being cases. But it happens to be that one of the cases... I have a point I want to make about the super beings, and I'm just going to put it out there so that one of us remembers to talk about it later. But go on. Okay. But it happens to be Abomination. Okay. We'll get there. Like I said, I also have some thoughts 
about that facility. So we'll get there. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, she's going like, we have to almost take it as as obvious as it actually is, is where she will sit there and her whole thing for, I think, most of the show and her biggest battle is that she doesn't want to be a superhero. And I think her growth point throughout the series is realizing that she has the ability and needs to use it for good. She thinks her ability to use for good is being a lawyer. But I think she's going to have to come face to face with those two storylines in her life and have to interweave them in a manner that allows her to be a superhero but also a super awesome lawyer at the same time and that is what the show is about i love it because here's what i'm gonna say i've been teasing this and how we're gonna talk about it so i'm just gonna plug right into it because the perfect segue you guys know i am bouncing off the walls for daredevil just as an update on my journey in the Defenders universe, as you know, I've been working my way through them. I just finished the Defenders last night. Guys, I don't know why people hated that show or had whatever negative things they had to say about it. I freaking loved it. Anyway, I say all this to say, you guys know I'm super, super, super excited for Daredevil to make his reappearance. I know a lot of people are freaking out about the costume because it's the yellow and red costume. I personally don't like that one, but whatever. Not my bone to pick right now. But what you were saying about the lawyer, that's kind of a lot of what Matt's whole thing is, and especially the first two seasons. I say that because I haven't watched the third one yet. It's next on my list. But, like, his whole thing is, like, well, I can do good as a lawyer, but then he realizes, like, that's not enough. Like, the law is not enough to get some of these people behind bars or even to really go after them. So that's kind of where the whole daredevil persona comes in is that he feels this need to do more than Matthew Murdoch can do as a lawyer. So it's interesting because Jennifer seems to be coming at it from the opposite point of view where she's like, well, I can do all my good as a lawyer and I don't need to be this other thing. So I think that's potentially important as to why he's in the show because he has much more experience understanding, you know, Yes, you can use the law to bring justice, but sometimes that's just not enough. So I think he might help her in that journey. You know, Hulk might help her in the journey of how to do the physical Hulk things and manage that. But in terms of managing your life as a lawyer and your ethics around that, and then balancing that with your superhero identity, I think that's where Matt's going to come in and kind of be her mentor in that sense. So it's kind of interesting that she's going to be mentored from two very different men on two very different aspects now of her personality. Well, and I honestly, taking all that in, I think it's really interesting, and I'll get to where you just were, just walk with me. (laughs) I think it's kind of interesting that when we first, and first, the only time we see him in the trailer He's fully suited. Oh, yeah. Um, And it looks like they're on a rooftop. Could be wrong. Kind of feels like Yelena style from Hawkeye. Definitely rooftopy. It's totally, it's very Daredevil in the show vibes. Yeah, so I'm a little intrigued by that because I kind of thought when we were, prior to having, you know, full confirmation, but maybe a lot of rumors flying, I did kind of think he'd come at her from the lawyer side. Uh, Since, I mean, that's that very obvious connection between the two of them. I I thought it would be a very interesting thing if he ended up being, you know, considering she, one of her clients is abomination, he could very well be the lawyer against her. Well, they're both defense attorneys, so that probably would have Oh, are they? Well, okay. On my, my, (laughs) I did not know that. But regardless, I, I mean, but I could see that have been an interesting way to have brought him in where you just like pan over and it's like, boom, there's the lawyer that's against her is, you know, Matt Murdock. And he's kind of doing his whole, well, you know. I'm just a really good lawyer. Well, <laughs> but him still kind of doing the whole, well, this is still a bad guy. And he, so if I can't win this from this, I'm going to win it from my other perspective. I could really see that kind of difference there. So I'm really interested in how the fact, or, or in the fact that, you know, her first run in that we, And I'm going to assume it is with the way that, you know, that camera angle and everything and the way it like, yeah, I just, I 100%, it's too Yelena from Hawkeye for me, that that's going to be that moment where she meets him. And so going off of then everything you said, I do see it now being from that other perspective of you need to do more outside of the courtroom because you're not going to be able to do all the justice you need to do from just the law. Yeah, it'll be so interesting. I'm also you know, curious if we're going to get them interacting in the courtroom, like how that's going to work. Like, are we going to set the stage where she interacts with Matt 
And then, you know, because she might be in, you know, operating in Hell's Kitchen, then she gets on, you know, Daredevil's radar. And that kind of becomes how she meets, you know, the two versions without understanding that it's the same man. And like, I would assume, based on the theory I just espoused like two minutes ago, that he's going to have to divulge his identity to her. However, having seen the show, you know, Matt's very protective of that. Like, that is something that I literally can count on one hand the number of characters who know his identity because he's so afraid of, you know, the people around him being hurt. So it will be a big deal if she is brought kind of into that inner circle because, like I said, Matt is very, very choosy. So anyway, I'm just so excited for those interactions. And I know Tatiana... M, who plays She-Hulk, has said, you know, it's interesting to have Matt Murdock in this show because he's so, I mean, anybody who's seen Daredevil knows he's so serious. He's so, you know, he has a purpose and he's, go, you know, trudging towards his purpose. He's literally like my glorious purpose. Like he's like the human version of Loki, like, but like not haughty at all. He's just like so focused. And so for that very serious, very, you know, principled man to let me in this show is definitely going to be like an interesting dichotomy that I'm super excited to see. Yeah. And honestly, I think my last thought on this before I move to the, and I think lately the best way to do with these predictions is going character by character almost yeah. than where we think they're going throughout the show. So before we move to the next character, I think my final straw really here with him is I almost wonder if this will open the door to have She-Hulk possibly in the Daredevil series at some point. I would love that. Yeah, and I mean, it's creating that connection both on a superhero level and the lawyer level, which I think almost nobody else can really do in the MCU. So I, I think that would be really interesting and the doors are opening. Since I don't want to dance around him and we brought him up a little bit, I want to get into Bruce. Yep. Because... I mean, first off, he's one of the last OG6s left. You can't, like, not talk about him. We love Bruce. But also, you know, so we've seen Thor and Lady Thor, or Mighty Thor. Sorry, I always call her Lady Thor because I'm just so, I'm so used to seeing everybody call her that. We've had Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. That's it. So well, now we Riri have Hulk. And, I mean, obviously they weren't together, but Iron Man and Riri. I'm trying to do the more obvious, like, transitions, sort of, that we've obviously seen. And Riri, first off, haven't seen her. Second, we're never going to see, well, unless it's AI Tony, we're never going to actually see our Tony. Like, we haven't seen that transition. So that doesn't count yet. That's fine. Thank you. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that doesn't count. Let me live my life. So now we're seeing Hulk with She-Hulk. So I first want to bring up that, is this a transitional moment? Are we going to see our Bruce Banner stepping away? And we're getting She-Hulk. And I know this is some hot topics and a hot debate going on just in general with, you know, Mighty Thor and Kate Bishop already in existence. Well, Mighty Thor is not really in existence anymore. Well, I guess when she was. (laughs) (laughs) Like prior to us all watching Thor Love and Thunder and seeing the end of it, the talk and the debate was heightened again after Hawkeye of, you know, are we getting these mantles being held or being turned over to you know a new generation or you know there's also the debate about well they're all women now which we don't need to get into but my question just being is you know we never got a definitive answer with Hawkeye Thor is hanging on yeah and so now it's like where are we with Hulk what do we expect from this all right I'm gonna come at you with a fully formed prediction or thought on this because it hit me when I was watching the trailers. My guy has himself a full-on cabana on a deserted island. That's low-key what he was trying to do at the end of Age of Ultron, right? But he ended up in Sakaar, so he kind of went a little out of his way, but that's kind of what he was trying to do. I think he finally found his little solo paradise, you know? And so I wouldn't be surprised if you know, after all this happens, because he's clearly in the car accident with Jen. So as Bruce, which I I need information on how that works. We're going to get there. Yeah. We're going to get there. So he's, you know, integrated kind of back in society. But I wouldn't be surprised if after all of this, he's just kind of like, I'm done now. Like, I'm just going to go off into the sunset and live my smart Hulk life on this island and do his thing because now there's someone else with my abilities that I don't need to be here anymore 
because someone else who can do the same exact things that I can, arguably better, is here. So I'm going to completely counter that theory. I love it. I love it. Come at me. And this is the maybe, and this goes back to the beginning of the episode, maybe this is that little girl that was in love with the Hulk family and for some reason found them extremely fascinating. But I actually think we might be gearing up for that eventually. I mean, there is World War Hulk. Yep. There are some really interesting storylines with this, you know, family. Maestro. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, up until, well, a couple months ago, there were a lot of strong theories about Red Hulk coming. Obviously, unfortunately, the actor who was playing him has passed away, so that's kind of up in limbo. But, you know, that came from Black Widow, that there was a strong belief that you know, his, what's his name? Sergeant? General Ross. General Ross. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, there's like sergeants and captains and everything else. that Sometimes I can't keep track of them. I'm not going to lie to you. But General Ross, thank you. You know, he looked really sickly in Black Widow. And for those who might not be aware of, his, you know, Red Hulk's origin, it is General Ross. But what happens is, you know, he gets really ill. I think that happened through another blood transfusion. People just need to stop transfusing with the Hulk blood. Yeah, I, I think that's how that one happens. Regardless, I know it starts with him being really sick, so a lot of people thought, especially because the movie pointed it out so clearly, that this could be the beginning of that. And then with She-Hulk already having been on the horizon, there was that. We have Abomination, who got who's then confirmed in Shang-Chi. Well, and there's the other one at the end of, I'm blanking on his name, but at the end of Hulk, the guy who helps him out gets exposed to the blood. Oh, I know what you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you... And then we never talked about it again for 15 years. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was the same with Abomination. So he's like just as viable an option to come back on the board. Exactly. That's why I'm kind of wondering if I think what we have of Hulk isn't staying forever. I don't think this combination of him and Banner as one is going to be around forever. In fact, I think there's going to be a snap. Not literally. Uh, not like Thanos-level snap. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> my stomach just dropped 17 I know, floors. I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, you can't say that in anything relating to Marvel. But I really do think there's going to be, you know, the, the other shoe's going to drop. And I think we're going to get a version of Avengers Hulk again. Because I also know the MCU, and not the MCU, Marvel knows that a lot of fans are not necessarily ecstatic with the course of which the Hulk has been on. Well, yeah, didn't the Russos just have to say something about how they nerfed the Hulk? I Yeah, I mean, a lot of fans, I know ever since Endgame has just been like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I actually, even in Infinity War, because, you know, there's that one scene where everyone's running towards the camera that never made the cut to the movie, but the Hulk was literally running towards the camera. So we all knew it was a cut scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that. So I think... There's a lot of potential, and I I don't think, and honestly, I'd actually be really angry if they took Hulk off the board in this way, as him just being, like, relaxed and chill, because at the end of the day, that's not his character, man. That's not the Hulk, and it just would be, like, that terrible, slow burn that just never amounted to anything. You just slowly watched his character disintegrate into, like, oh, well, now he's happy in his house in, like, Mexico or wherever they are, and it's just like, okay, that's it. That was the Hulk. <laughs> I guess I just keep thinking about how Ruffalo is on the older side and how I don't know that he can go back. Like, I know he's just in the mocap suit, so it's not like he's out here doing, like, Chris Hemsworth-level, like, stunts. Heck, Chris Hemsworth doesn't even do all of his own stunts anymore. But like, Okay, but they had the guy who was going to play General Ross out here, like, and that man was older. Yeah, but that was, like, never even, like, it, yes, it was a thought, and yes, we thought it was all coming, but we don't actually know if that was, like, really a for sure thing. I won't say no, but I will just say, like, I think... And this is me saying this from my perspective, 100% my opinion, but I think if that's how they do away with the Hulk, that's the biggest L ever with one of the most awesome characters and well, most well-known characters. Yeah, he is pretty iconic. Yeah, like you don't even have to have seen anything on the MCU or even read a freaking comic book to have known who the Hulk is. Like, to your point with the Russo saying about nerfing the Hulk, like you... 
they can't let him go off being nerfed like that. <laughs> like, that just is such an L. I mean, that's that's a fair. It's a good point. I think if I had to choose which route I would like to see on screen, I definitely would rather see them build out the Hulk family in, like, yours. I was just like, it hit me when I was watching the trailers. I was like, they could literally just have him living in his cabana, drinking his large margaritas for the rest of his days. Like, there are worse ways to go. Other people have died slow, painful deaths. Have you seen Quicksilver? He died. Like, he can just live out on a beach. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I just think that the character has so much more potential and even already has in the past few things that he's been in that I think they've downplayed so much of. I just think he deserves so much more. But I wanted to bring up, because you brought it up, and since and this is really the last thing for him as a character, is, you know, we see him as Bruce, but now most of the trailer we see him as the Hulk. Well, as, like, Smart Hulk. Hulk and Bruce. Yeah. And then, you know, back in Shang-Chi, we saw him as Bruce. With the arm sling. With the sling. Yes. So my only thought, and this is me just putting this out here, is... And, and and not even because I feel like now the She-Hulk trailer just took this thought away from me, was that maybe he had to be human to heal properly and to be treated properly. Yeah, but to- when Tony was human, he just died. And, like, I understand it's, like, a different level of thing, but, like, I don't know how being in the weaker form is gonna help you. Yeah, but Hulk lived through the power surge, and then it was afterwards, if he was Bruce, he needs that to heal, versus I'm saying, like... Tony was always human. I get that. I guess I'm just wondering why being in the weaker form would help you heal. I mean, I'm just saying maybe it was easier to be treated. I don't know, because to be fair, the only time we saw him other than, you know, a little bit in this trailer that was as Bruce, he was in Shang-Chi with the arm sling on. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm just throwing a theory out there that maybe it had something to do with needing that was how he had to be healed. I mean, the Hulk is quite the the monstrous you know thing and i'm not sure if maybe they could treat him properly and heal the burn as something that nobody else is familiar with versus as a human i mean i don't know it's a theory i'm throwing it out there it doesn't help if he was in the car with jennifer as bruce i don't know does he just every once in a while decide to be human again i don't know yeah i need answers i hope this show gives us answers you guys know how I feel about how important answers are. I need them. All of them. Preferably in the first episode. And speaking of answers, I'm going to move right into good old Wong. You know, he's everywhere. This is Wong's universe. And he has once again made an appearance, dropping the name of the Book of Ashanti. I was like, dang. I love that scene where she's like, I do everything by the book. And he's like, ah, oh, the Book of Ashanti. I just, just like, and she's crying. like, no, you as, like, the law of America. <laughs> but I have so many things. For one, his name drop of that book makes me wonder if this was before MOM. Don't say that. I know. Stop. I know. I know. Mm. No, but I want to keep going. Because I don't think he would have name dropped that book because he knew it was destroyed. There was only one of them in the entire universe. Strange told him that obviously that was part of their plan to get that book and it, it went haywire. He knew it was destroyed, so I kind of feel like he couldn't, like, I feel like this might have been, and I have another reason, which I'll get to when we talk more about Abomination and how all this show wraps into so many other things, but I think this was before MOM, right around Shang-Chi. That is when I think this show takes place. How do we know that Shang-Chi is before MOM? I'm just going with it. (laughs) That one, that, I'm not gonna lie, that one I just assume is... But I do think that his name dropping of that book means that it's before MOM because I really don't think he would name drop the most important book in the universe that there's only one of if it was already like, why would he say it? Like, obviously, like she says, oh, I do it by the book. Okay, well, you don't do it by the book of Shanti anymore because it's destroyed. I mean, yes, even if, but like, here's my thing. I see what you're saying. But even if the book is destroyed, the teachings, like, would live on. So, like, if you do it by the Book of Vashanti, you're just doing it by the rules. It doesn't necessarily need to exist in a physical form. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't the Book of Vashanti, like, it wasn't really the teachings of it. It was the book that any sorcerer needs to find, and it will help them with whatever is going on. It's not really a teaching book. Well, right, but I understand that. But, like, then that whole, like, reference doesn't make sense, right? Because if it's not a teaching book, then why would it have laws in it? 
I'm not sure, but <laughs> that's like that's where I get confused. I mean, I get that. I just think it's really weird, in my opinion, that he dropped the name of the book that's been like that. Because, like, obviously, everyone knew we would definitely perk up as soon as we heard it. But I truly think it's a little interesting that he drops that book so casually, knowing it's been destroyed. I guess. I I don't know. It's just a theory. It's just a thought. But I will put that out there. And I then want to bring up, why is Wong here? (laughs) Well, because he's with Abomination. (laughs) Which I want to get to in a second. So I don't... But that has to do with why I think it's... I, this is why I think all of this happens prior to MOM, because I think Shang-Chi, I think we need to look at this show in relation to Shang-Chi. Correct, but here's the other thing. And now I know that Wong voiceovers don't mean much because they don't always end up in the actual content, but he does say our universe is at the edge of a precipice. I'm sorry, but I don't really think we were at the edge of a precipice before Wanda. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because to your point, for one, we had a really important Wong voiceover the first time and it never made the cut to the film. So, and you like banked 17 theories off of that and it never happened. Which is logic. Like, what am I supposed to do? Be like, I have to just take everything he says as a lie. No, that's fair. But now I want to learn. I want to learn from that lesson and I'm going to backtrack and say we can't assume that. And second, though, that almost still makes my question stronger. If he's telling Jennifer Walters this, let's just say he is, because, I mean, she's the main character, I'm going to assume that. Why? Like, what? Because <laughs> in my, and I, I think we've we've done this before. We break all these characters down about three different levels. You've got your street level, you've got your cosmic people, and then you've got your magical people. And I think that's the best way to kind of, like, And by cosmic, I also mean, like, space. So the Guardians would be up in that realm. And I think that's the best way to really break them down. And in my opinion, I look at She-Hulk as a very street-level sort of person. Because I think that's kind of where Hulk's always been, too. And obviously, Wong is that magical part. So I'm kind of intrigued on where her involvement would be in this whole... The universe is on the precipice. When I don't really see what they're mixing. Yeah. I see your confusion. I'm going to raise a few points from the comics. I don't know if they make sense or if we're going to see them. No, I mean, they make sense. I just don't know if they're, they're going to, you know, really impact anything in this show. One, one of her best friends slash the way I read it, potentially a romantic partner of hers is a squirrel. Okay. So that kind of ties her in cosmically. Which isn't the question. I need to understand the magical. Get me there. Okay, I'm working on it. Two... If we're going to talk multiverse, I think magical and multiverse are kind of where, sp- or, sorry, magical and space kind of converge in the multiverse, right? She is involved in the original Secret Wars, not the most recent version that we talked about in our episode, but the 1978 version where they all go up to Battle World with the Beyonder. Yeah. That version of Secret Wars, that's actually where she ends up being part of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. But she's a part of that. So she's a part of Secret Wars. And I kind of have a feeling, based on Marvel and what they've done in the past, that they're going to kind of combine elements from the original Secret Wars in the, I think it was the early 80s, and the more recent one in the, like, mid-teens. And they're going to take elements of both. I think that's where we're going to get Tom Holland's Venom, I think, or Dark Spider-Man, the whole thing. Oh, So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jennifer Walters involved in that because she was originally part of Secret Wars in the 80s version. No, I I fully agree with that. That is not quite that, but I will say that to me still doesn't answer my question. Well, that's what I was saying. I don't know if it makes sense. Like, I have these examples of ways she, like, interacts, but, like, I don't know if it fully does it. No, it does as far as where her character could be going, as far as what we already know is slated. Because, like I said, I'm going to hold on to a hope as well that we're going to have, you know, the Hulk family, maybe World War Hulk. So I'm going to hold out hope for those, but I, I 100% I knew... You know, she's going to have big involvement in especially what we've already been confirmed from phase six. I guess my thing is, is I still just don't get why Wong is just showing up, except for, to your point, Abomination, who I think I'm just going to open these doors to at this point because I think there's a lot to go with Can I really quick say something about Wong before we close the door? Yeah. Oh, the door's not shut. I just can't keep going unless I start talking about Abomination. I just, before we start kind of making that transition... 
one of the articles I was reading made it a point to say that yes, Wong's and everything, but it's not just Wong, it's Sorcerer Supreme Wong. So I think that what we're seeing is truly a more active Sorcerer Supreme than Doctor Strange was. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't Sorcerer Supreme for long before Infinity War. Two years. Yeah, but we didn't see much of anything. I mean, because keep in mind, we're getting so much more content in the span of a year and a half than we did in a year and a half five years ago. Yes, that is true. All I'm saying is they're making it a point to insert the Sorcerer Supreme which, if you're just going to take it at face value, means that Wong is a more active Sorcerer Supreme than Strange was. Whether or not, you know, we want to consider that true, everybody to your own. But that's kind of my thought is, like, that's why Wong is involved. Because anything that is remotely, like, what he considers a danger to the universe, whether that's space, whether that's magic, whether that's, you know, some street-level people that are getting a little too big for their britches, like... Wong has his pulse. Like, even when Thor and Loki... Like, the one example we had of Doctor Strange in Ragnarok, like, when Thor and Loki waltzed up into New York, who was right there? The Sorcerer Supreme. So I think what we're seeing finally in more detail is a Sorcerer Supreme who's active and defending the universe from any and all threats, whether those are Kang level or Abomination level. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really fair, which is why I think this overlap with abomination is going to answer and maybe cause more questions because i think and this is opening a door from shang chi that i think we never had an answer to and i still think we don't agree which is why was wong there fighting the abomination and then more importantly obviously we see the cut scene where they're just like hanging out being buddies and they're like good job man like okay so first off i do want to point out the portal he walks through behind him, you like in Shang-Chi behind him, is the containment cell that Abomination is in in this show. Yes. So that is why I know there is direct overlapping there. Yeah. That is kind of what I was dancing around earlier. But I think personally that continues to be a big thing that I question with Wong and his involvement is just... Because obviously at the time we didn't know he was Sorcerer Supreme, but he was Sorcerer Supreme at the time. Yes, correct. Anything post-blip, or actually anything post-snap, really. Yeah, well, exactly. So I'm extremely intrigued, and I feel like that question, now that we have Abomination and Wong again making an appearance together in She-Hulk, I think that digs us deeper into that question of what the heck was going on in Shang-Chi. Well, also what the heck was happening during the in-between times of the snap and the blip. Like, yeah, how did they get hooked up? How did Wong and them become BFFs? What is Wong's philosophy as Sorcerer Supreme? Like, I have a lot of questions. Well, and, I, you know, he's a very high moral person, an ethical person. So I'm. it seems very strange to me to have him, you know, fighting in, like, they weren't underground, but I'm going to call it an underground sort of, like, fight yeah, ring. not physically underground, but, like, seedy underground. Yeah, because of where... And, and like I said, not to go into whole Shang-Chi here, but this question now is getting brought forward again. And now that we have to look at it as he was Sorcerer Supreme, I'm even more, like, flabbergasted. So, I think that's weird. I'm intrigued. Obviously, I believe his appearance comes a lot with Abomination being involved in this. And so now I just want to get right into Abomination. First off, I love Abomination. I hated what they did to him in the first Hulk film. He looked terrible. I'm glad they're finally making him more comic book accurate. Because I'm sorry, that weird skeleton looking head thing, not it. Also though, just nightmare fuel. That was freaking creepy. Yeah, so I'm really glad that he's looking better. (laughs) I'm glad he's making an appearance because we're having Hulk. Do I want a rematch? I'd love one. That's just a personal preference, but I'd really like to see one. But he's being held in a nice, really nice looking little building thing. And, you know, I don't trust government agencies. But what if this isn't one? What if this might be, you know, what's her face from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Valentina, and her, you know, office space? Because Abomination would be the perfect cut. And I mean... You know, now he's got Jennifer sitting here, going to be his lawyer. Maybe she's getting him a plea deal. And if he joins a special team, he gets out of jail. I like it. I like it. Just a thought. I like it. 
Because I like it, I'm going to call my next two theories not counter theories, but alternate theories. One, I'm going to say it looks very similar, that vessel, to the vessel on the helicarrier in the Avengers that Loki sends Thor to his near-death in. That was the one that was meant to hold Hulk. Correct, exactly. Which is what your point was, I just wanted to lay it out there, in case people weren't 100% like where you were at. Yes, if, if you haven't watched Avengers in a while, it was built for Hulk, Loki trapped Thor in it, almost sent him to his death. I mean, tried to send him to his death, but he got it out. Anyway, I'm wondering, you know, just thinking about what's on the horizon, we've got a Secret Wars coming, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. continues to be up in the air as to how integrated it is into the MCU in its current form. Is there a secret S.H.I.E.L.D. still operating with Nick Fury? Real questions. That's option number one. Okay. I did think of S.H.I.E.L.D. when I first saw it, so I I won't say I didn't. Right? Because of the helicarrier. Option, I actually have three options now that I think about it. Option number two, our good friends, the Department of Damage Control. It seems like somebody they'd want. Option number three is that he's in his own little cell on the raft. Because I am telling you right now, the raft is important. The raft will be important. John Walker becomes the warden at some point. Like, there's just some things that I don't think the raft is done yet, and I think... This could be a really good way not to make it an important focal point, but just to be like, hey guys, this thing still exists. Okay, I th- I like all those and I think they're fair. And I'm just going to defend my theory just... I mean, I really like your theory. I just think there are some alternate thoughts out there. No, and I think that's fair. I, I just want to, because you kind of loosened something for me while you were talking about all that. So I just wanted to, because I don't think I said it when I was also talking about mine. I also just want to highlight the reason I'm saying all of this is because obviously for those of you who have been watching about, you know, San Diego Comic-Con, we have been confirmed to have a Thunderbolts film. And, you know, the Thunderbolts are very, they're all pretty much anti-heroes and a lot of these types of heroes tend to be the more evil version, and I hate saying it that way, but it's the best way to say it, the more evil version of someone we already have. U.S. agent is Captain America. Yelena would be your Black Widow. You know, your Abomination would be your Hulk. And that is kind of why I was saying this. Uh, The only one, as far as your theory that I have an issue with, is the Department of Damage Control. And that is for two reasons. One, if you, like, look at the guy's hats, because it's the next film after, or the next take after, it doesn't look like their crest. Okay, that's fair. That is one, I'll say. And two, because I did think of them... Because when you see the guys with the guns, at first I was like, oh, it's the Department of Damage Control. But then when you really, if you look at those guns, they look at they look like those sound guns, kind of, that they used on Hulk in the first film. Just like, baby. Oh. Yeah, they have the same shape. Which someone pointed out on Twitter, and I don't remember who it is, so I'm so sorry. But they, I did see them put a side-by-side, and I was like, interesting. So I think it's more governmental, or somewhere in that, that's not DODC. I also think we just saw them, and I dare I say, I just feel like the cousin of Bruce Banner is a little out, like, too far out of their realm for a hero for them to be- Hey, they went after Spider-Man. Yeah, but to be fair, he was also being, like, totally framed for murder at the time, so I could kind of get- I also have some theories, though, that I've been running with that, where most of the heroes they've been coming after are extremely young. I don't think they're going to come after a hero who's literally a lawyer. That's fair. Yeah, so, you know, I I will maybe debunk that theory a little bit. I don't think we're going to see them this time around, but I do like your other two a lot. Cool. I have one last thing I want to bring up, because there's something you guys know if you listen to any of our episodes about Ms. Marvel that I refuse to get off. It's a theory, and I just need to talk about it and bring it up, and you can debunk it, but I need to say it. I need to get it on tape. Oh gosh, okay. We talked about, earlier you talked about how the reason that Jen has this new job is because they are doing a special division for super beings. And they show this little cutscene, or like montage really, of all these super people. Where did all these super people come from? If I had to take a wild, wild guess, I'm going to call Terrigen and Inhumans. And I know that 
the whole thing with Ms. Marvel being a mutant, I've come to terms with it. I'm not denying it. I know I felt some kind of way after the series finale. I've made that known. It is what it is. You know, in the comics now, it's been explained that that's what she was always supposed to be. I'm using that as a justification for my own coming to terms with it. But I do want to point out that just because you have mutants does not exclude inhumans from any storyline whatsoever evidenced by Black Bolt being an MOM. Is there some, and, and you know, you still have the Kree as major, major players. We have the Marvels coming out next summer. So they're still very much on the board. The Kree are the, the center of everything's Herogenesis and Terrigen. Was there some sort of small Terrigenetic experience that some people had? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. So I'm not going to debunk it. I won't debunk it. I will just throw out maybe a counterpoint to it. Go for it. Which is just that besides what's left of the OG6 or their mantles, because that pretty much covers about three-fourths of everything we've already seen, including other Avengers. So that would be our Wanda, our our Vision. I'll count Bucky in on that because I can. Shang-Chi, technically, sort of. He's an origin. I don't want to... Oh. He, he would be the one-fourth of, like, new, new blood that we're fully pulling in. Gotcha. That isn't fully tied yet into everything else. So far, a lot of Phase 4 has been still very much tied to our, our old heroes. Keeping that in mind, we still have a five-year gap. That's five years of random superheroes that can just have accidents just like all our heroes can and pop up. My thought process is it can just as easily be like a... I, I mean, literally there was one day that, that Peter just got bit by a spider and it happened to be radioactive and he popped up. He had good timing because he got pulled into a civil war with the Avengers. But my point just being is there were five years that, you know, all these random superheroes could have had their accidents... I mean, literally Electro fell into electric eels. And Sandman fell into a pit of sand because you're not supposed to fall into things. Yeah, and they all managed to live, which, okay. Hey, it's the comic books, okay? Remove it from reality. I know, but I'm just saying some are easier to believe than others, which is why I kind of think, you know, you gotta take it as a grain of salt that some of these could just be low-grade heroes that had their accidents and are just trying to be like, functioning because maybe they don't necessarily want to be heroes but they're just now like things that have happened because they i mean think about sandman like okay yeah he ended up being a villain but but then he ended up being a good guy he's complicated maybe he was a bad example but my point just being is like he what he would have had no value of life because he was sand so when you looked at some of these guys that are sitting in this room i mean what are their value of life? Because we're still very much in a society that's full of humans, or at least things that look like humans. Yeah, that's why I said <laughs> what. No, I was thinking about something else. If you're, they're not in humans, maybe they're mutants. Well, I was actually thinking that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the more I was talking, the more I was like, it's possible. But then my brain, my brain's very dead set on thinking the mutants are going to come in with Secret Wars. Well, yeah, because it also came out right around Comic-Con. That news came out that they can't recast them for another few years. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they can't use B-grade mutants. Or honestly, at this point, they're probably at C or D-grade mutants for the next couple of years. I agree, but I'm not going to. I'm just saying that. And it might be stupid, but it's just a counter thought to yours is that, you know, these heroes all might have just been having accidents over the past five years. I mean, that's enough time to accumulate. Look at all the ones we accumulated by Infinity War. So I guess I think if I had to choose any of the alternate theories, I prefer the mutant theory. I, yeah, I definitely don't think they're inhumans. Oh, no, no. I think they're either mutants or inhumans. Oh, I don't think they're inhumans. I, I like your theory. But I don't personally, as like just a personal vendetta, I just don't think that they're inhumans. I don't think vendetta is the right word to use there because that's a little aggressive, but okay. I'm gonna say it because <laughs> I'm angry about the inhumans and I think I, I think I'm so angry. I'm just like, if you're not gonna do them right, don't do them at this point. So it's just like... I think they had 
enough mistakes made the first time that they would know how to they let's just basically say they know how to not do the inhumans yeah which is why i think this wouldn't be their way of entering them is just my thought i'm just bitter because they still brought back black bolt like i'm sorry don't don't tease me and then be like nah other universes man other universes i get it but it doesn't make it better but anyway i digress that is all i had that is all i want to talk about as it relates to she-hulk other than to say i think we're both super super pumped you're nodding your head telling me you're also done so we're gonna call it a wrap on our she-hulk predictions you guys are listening to it just a few days before it premieres so definitely get your read on on the blog Check out this episode. If you're at the end already and you want to go back and check a few things out again, please do so. If you haven't subscribed to the show and you're looking forward to our coverage of She-Hulk, please do so on your podcast platform of choice. We also super appreciate any ratings or reviews that you feel so inclined to give. And last but not least, if you guys haven't seen on our Twitter, we have recently opened our Redbubble shop with a lot of cool merch that has a really funky design. So we're excited to share that with you guys. It is linked in the show notes if you're inclined to check it out. We also just sent out our first newsletter that came out in August. You guys can keep an eye out on the website. It will be up there as well soon. So if you missed it, you guys can still get a look at it. We also are going to be sending it out on the first of each of the months. So if you guys want to make sure that is going directly into your inbox, you can go right into our website where you can sign up and voila, it'll be right in there. So make sure you guys are doing that. And you are also following us on Let's Talk MFT on Twitter. You all know what we do on there and with all our theories and everything else we share. So make sure you guys are following. And last quick update, now that She-Hulk has been moved to Thursdays, and if you didn't know, we're telling you right now. She-Hulk has been moved to Thursday, so our shows during She-Hulk will be airing on Saturdays instead of Fridays. That is just to give us some extra time. You know, things go as we kind of keep going through all this. We learn new things. We got to kind of rotate. So shows will be on Saturdays. Make sure you guys are keeping up with all this Marvel content coming your way as Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. Thank you.